Thank you, Grace. Uh, a few weeks ago, I looked at my calendar and my schedule, and I thought, I've got a pretty full week this week. And a few months ago, my son moved here, and he is an ordained elder in the Church of the Nazarene, and I hardly ever get to listen to him preach. And uh, so Landon is assigned to our church right now, and uh, he still carries his credential as a Nazarene pastor, and I thought it'd be good if we let him preach every now and then. And so I knew that I was kind of busy this week, and uh, so I asked him if he would come and share with us tonight. And so Landon, come and share what's God's put on your heart. I left it over here after all. Left this over there earlier, and I was like, okay, now, but I'm all confused now, so. Turn your Bibles tonight, the book of Mark. We're going to be in chapter 11 tonight, and going through verse 11 and 25. Mark chapter 11, verse 11 through 25, and the setup kind of for tonight's verse is this morning. We were had Palm Sunday, we had all the celebration, all the things that just happened, and we come to this spot. And it's I think it's interesting that Mark Mark's the only one who leaves this detail in here, and I think it's really interesting. So tonight we're gonna just read about that and see why did Jesus do what he did here and and what's going on in the text. So if everyone was standing tonight in honor of God's word, read from Mark chapter eleven. Verse 11 through 25. He entered into Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. On the following day, when he came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if it could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is not it written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it into a den of robbers? And chief priests and the scribes heard it, and they were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. When evening came, they went out of the city. And as he passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed is withered. Jesus answered them, Have I Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says this mountain be taken up and be thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done to him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand up praying, forgive, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that you, your father also will, your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for what you do here and how you want to do this in our life. And Lord, I pray that you would 
Reveal yourself to us tonight, Lord, through the reading of your word and that you would speak tonight. We love you, Lord. We praise you and we thank you. Praise in your name. Amen. As we begin Holy Week, we saw again this morning the beginning of the palm branches. We saw them waving. We saw the cries of Hosanna and how everything was good and how everyone was celebrating that Christ had come and, and they were ready for him to be king of, this, of, of, of the nations and they were ready for him to be king over them. And in Mark, we come to this point and everything has happened, the celebration's over and Jesus goes into the temple after after everything's all done. He goes into the temple and he sees everything that's going on in the temple. And he looks at everything and I don't know if where I don't know where all you guys work at. But I work over at I've worked at UPS and I work now at John Deere. And every so often they get what's called a safety audit. And a guy will come in and see if everything's going the right way, seeing if everything is in order and if all the people know what their safety rules and regulations are. And they'll come and they'll ask you questions, say, do you, how, is this a safe way to do this? And you'll answer yes or no. And what Jesus is doing at this point in Scripture, where we see he goes into the temple, he's doing an assessment. He is seeing, is the temple fulfilling the purpose that it was meant to fulfill. And if you go back to what was the purpose of the temple, the ultimate purpose was it is to lead people to who God is and to worship him truly. And Jesus comes in and he says, is it fulfilling his purpose? Is the, is the temple being a place of worship? Is the temple being a place where God is glorified, where people come and gather around in a spirit of worship and, and honor come to glorify his name? And this is what Jesus does. And, and in the book of Mark, one thing that's odd about this passage is everything in Mark is fast. This is a fast-paced book. You see, Mark is, is, is the shortest book in the Bible. And also, the word immediately comes up fairly often. Immediately Jesus went here. Immediately Jesus went here. Immediately Jesus did this. Immediately Jesus did that. It's very fast. And we get to this point and Mark stops and gives us details of what Jesus does and why he does this. And we see that, that, that he observes this and, and Jesus at this point is judging the temple. He's judging what's going on. He's not there as, as, a, a, per, as, as a, one of the people who's kind of celebrating the Passover. He's there to judge. He's there to look at what's going on and he's going to have a moment here and it's not going to be good. And we, we look, we, we, Jesus looks around and, and I've, I've got a movie I used to watch. It's called A Knight's Tale. And in there they've got this phrase that says, you have been weighed, you have been measured, and you've been found wanting. And this is where Jesus is. And this is where the temple is. The temple is no longer a place that glorifies God. It's no longer a place of worship. It's no longer what it was called to be. And Jesus comes in and he assesses it. And it's late, it's, it's night, and, and so he doesn't do anything about it at that point. But he sees what's going on and it, and it, it affects him. And so the next morning we go and... 
there's an interesting thing that happens there. Before, between between uh, Jesus going into this and the temple, we have the story of a fig tree. And I looked at this and I was like, why in the world is there a story about a fig tree with Jesus cleansing the temple? I just, and if you look at Matthew, Matthew talks about the fig tree in one sitting and, and, and that's all you get. But Mark gives a more detailed account. And again, Mark is not the detailed one. Luke is very detailed, but, but Mark, he doesn't tend to be, he's very fast. And yet he leaves us in here. And I think it's important that we take a look at why in the world does he stop here? And so Jesus is, has, has already judged what's going on in the temple. And he sees this fig tree. And this fig tree is bearing leaves. And there's a few things you need to know about a fig tree. First off, this is the fruit that makes fig newtons, which are delicious. And, and you find them in grocery stores. Okay, that's not important though. The, the important thing here is fig trees, um, when you see their leaves, the fruit begins to appear the same time as the leaves or almost at, very quickly after the leaves appear. So it's, it's the, the text here says that the, the figs were off season Yet there were leaves here. And so Jesus goes to see if there's leaves there. I mean, sorry, there's figs there. And by the account of the leaf, there should be some fruit there. There should be some figs producing on this fig tree. And, and yet there's not. And another thing we should know is that fig trees are often in the Old Testament used to represent the Israel of nation, the, the, the nation of Israel, the Israel of nation, no. The nation of Israel and they're standing with God. And I find that's not coincidental that Jesus is judging the stance of Israel and God, and there's a fig tree here. And because he, this, this, this is metaphorical of, of God's standing with God and, and, old, and, and um, Israel, we need to keep those things in mind. So Jesus goes into the temple and he just cleanses it. And dad talked a little bit about this this morning, but I want you to imagine today that someone just all of a sudden stood up in the service and just started yelling, started just turning all the chairs down, came up on stage, beat the drums down, broke all the guitars. Imagine just all of that happening. And the first thing that would happen is security outside would hear that and be like, what's going on? They would tackle this guy. And... And that's not what happens to Jesus here. And, and a lot of that is because he is in control of this situation. Like I talked about this morning, he is God. He's not going to get touched. And yet the Jews are seeing this and like, why in the world are you doing this? What sign do you have to offer this? And John, he says, tear down this temple in three days, I'll rise it again. And, and he doesn't go into that much detail here, but, but he does, he, he gives, he gives his verdict of what's going on in the church, what's going on in the temple. He would not allow anyone to carry anything through a temple. And he was teaching them, saying to them, Is not it written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for the nations. I've come in. I've seen everything you're doing. I've seen what's going on here. And you've not made this a house of prayer. You've not made this a house of worship. You're not worshiping God like I've called you to do. You are making everything here a den of thieves, a den of robbers. And this is not right. And he starts taking everything out. And the chief priests and the scribes, they heard it. And instead of repenting and saying, oh, we're sorry we've done this, they threatened, they, they, they begin to figure out how they're going to kill him. And this week begins. 
And this is where everything is now going to be leading up to. We're going to be leading up to the road to the cross. And like Dad talked about this morning, the road to the cross started back when the apple was eaten or the fruit was eaten. But we begin to see now this is going to be starting. This is, everything is now in full motion. Every, the, Jesus is now here. The, the moment of truth has come and he's here. And um, I, think, I think it's interesting that um, they don't repent and they don't, they don't place their faith in him. They just look for a way to kill him. And something similar to this happened back a couple years ago. I was... I heard in the news that someone had gone to a pastor by the name of Joe Osteen, his church, and they'd gone into a bookstore that he sold his books in and started overturning his books. And if you know anything about Joel Osteen, he is a false teacher. He teaches, the, he says that God wants you to be happy. He wants, he, if you name it, you claim it, all that kind of stuff. And Joe Olstein is a false teacher. And this guy goes in and takes down all of his books. I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> because on the one hand, you've got this guy who's teaching bad things. And yet, you, he's, this guy's not God. God has the right to judge his church. And so I think it's interesting that it happened in that church. But I think each one of us has our own pet sin. I think we each have our own sin that we have to deal with. And, and, and we, we each struggle with, and there's, there's certain sins I think we each enjoy or wish we could enjoy if it wasn't a sin. And when Jesus enters the temple and he looks at the sin and exposes it, he exposes it in the most offensive way he can. He exposes it for everything that it is. And you've got one of two options. You can either repent and turn from your ways or you can reject him. And this is what he, this is what it talks about. In Romans 1.28, it talks about how God gives people over to their debased mind. He gives them over to this, this mind where they no longer think about what's good, but he gives them over to, to let them go ahead and live in their evil ways because they, he has offered them again and again and again a time to repent, a time to change, and yet they would not. And this is the point where the Jews are at. Jesus has been teaching them the things of God. He's been telling them that this, these are things that have, these are, these are, this is what you're teaching and that this is how you're living and how you're living is wrong. It's not in line with what God is doing and therefore you are against God. And Jesus called himself God and, 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 and revealed that he was the son of God. And, and this is the point where the Jews are no longer one to listen to them. They've, they, they, they've had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, and yet they reject him, reject him, reject him, and now God gives them over to a debased mind, and they seek to kill him. And I think the thing we need to learn from this is the more we flirt, and the more we toy with, and the more we play with sin, the more offended we will be when Christ comes to deal with our sin. And we're going to give up our sin very painfully, or we're going to reject Christ and we're going to want to kill him. We're going to get rid of him. And so we come back to the fig tree. We see, we see all this has happened. We, the, all the, the, the temple has been cleansed and been emptied and, and he's thrown out everyone who's, who's in there. And we see the fig tree is dead. And here's, I want to just show you some of the similarities of what's going on here. We see the tree was not bearing fruit and 
the nation of Israel, the Jewish law, everything that was meant to point the nations to God is not bearing fruit. And we see the fig trees deceptively look healthy. The, the tree looked like it was fine. It had leaves on it. It looked like Jesus can't have to come up close to see if there's any fruit on it. It looked like it was fine. And yet we see that it wasn't bearing any fruit. And so it wasn't a fine tree. And the same way the Jews were being hypocritical of the things they were teaching. They were teaching, and Jesus said at one point, listen to what they're teaching. They're teaching the right thing, but don't live as they live because they don't live what they teach. They're hypocrites. And Jewish hypocrisy made them look good. They looked like, hey, we've got it all together. We know the ways of God. And yet when Jesus comes and reveals everything for as it is, they are offended and, and they show that they're really not a good tree at all. And at Jesus' word, the fig tree dies. And after Jesus' death and resurrection, we see the Jewish temple and a lot of the Jewish customs begin to die away up as well. And the church begins to rise up. And, and, and we see that an old covenant is now replaced with a new covenant. And what's the lesson we can learn from this? What's the lesson that we learn from the fig tree? We learn that Jesus comes, Jesus judges, and we are found guilty, each and every one of us. And in our hearts, we see our sin, and we love our sin more that we want to kill Jesus. And this is where this comes. And we get to this point where, like, what hope is there? What hope do we have left if we, are, if we have Jesus who's here and he judges us and we see our sin and we love our sin more than Christ, what hope is there? And Peter sees this tree and marvels at it. And when he asks this question, this is where, Je- this is where Jesus gives the answer. Peter sees this and says, Rabbi, the tree that you just, the tree that you cursed is withered. And this is how Jesus answered him. Have faith in God. And that is our answer tonight. Have faith in God. Jesus talks about moving a mountain in the Jewish literature. Moving a mountain is doing the impossible thing. Do what is impossible. Um, and, and what is impossible? Our sin is impossible. Our sin, we cannot deal with our sin by ourselves. Our sin is so weighed upon us that we cannot in and of ourselves do anything. Our nature, our bent is to hate God and hate everything he's done for us because our sin has corrupted us so much that we rebel against God and rebel everything against what he wants to do for us. And so we cannot do this on our own. How do we deal with a sin? We have faith in God. And I work at a place where there's a lot of sin. And I grew up, and I thank my dad for it, but I grew up very sheltered. (laughs) Um, Whenever I was growing up, I grew up in uh, a homeschool. I, I homeschooled. And we went to public school for a little bit, but there were things that were happening there that my parents didn't like, and so they took us out and they homeschooled us. And we grew up in church, and, and we stayed in church. And, and I went to Mid-American Nazarene University, which there's definitely non-Christians there, but it's a pretty sheltered place. You're, you're in a Christian environment. And after that, I became a pastor, and, and I talked to my congregation, and, and I've picked up kids, and we see, I saw kind of the world they were living in, but 
didn't exactly know that what all was going on behind the scenes and now I'm at John Deere and a whole new world. <laughs> it's bad. I mean, it, it, I, I work at John Deere. I work with a woman who's married to another woman. And, and we have had many a talks about who Christ is and what he expects of us. And, and one day she goes, I'm sorry if I make you uncomfortable with talking about my wife. And, and I said, I am. Because every time she talked about it, I just, I just, I didn't, I didn't say anything. I just twinged. And she saw that I twinged. And, and I took that opportunity to tell her, here's the deal. God doesn't like that. And God's offended by it. And it's sin. And it's a sin that'll lead to hell. And I don't want you to go there. And I, I've told her the gospel and, and, and I used to think that once you got to this point, you're, if you're, if you're that far into it, you, you've got this sin in your life where you're marrying someone who's the same gender you're married, that, well, that's, you're not going to want to listen to me very much anymore. Casey, or the, the girl I work with, she, she wants to listen to me. She, she listens to what I have to say about it. And I've got to believe that there is power in this name to save her. I've got to believe that if, I, if she has faith in God, she will be saved from her homosexuality tendencies. She's got a sin that, that has got a hold of her. She's got a sin that is hurting her, that is hurting her family. And she doesn't know it. She's as happy as a clam. But this is hurting her. It's hurting her relationship with God and it's going to kill her one day and it's going to lead her to hell one day. But I've got faith in God that he can heal her, that he can take away that sin that's in her and that he can show her who he is. And if that is true in her life, it's got to be true in my life. It's got to be true in your life. If we have faith in God, our sin has to stop and our sin can stop because he can take care of it. He can kill it. He can get rid of it. And I've got to believe that. We've got to believe that he can take care of our sin problem. We are hopeless without him, and yet if we have him, we have hope. And we've got to get a hold of this concept. We have faith in God. If our faith is put in something that we cannot ourselves do, but if put into someone who can take care of it, if our hope is in Christ Jesus, if our hope is in God, if we have faith that God can take care of this, he can take care of it. If we have this mountain of sin that's in our life that is just completely, we can't deal with it. It's, it's just something we can't deal with. God can. God can take care of our sin problem. And he does it through his son. He does it through his son. And this is what this week is all about. That our sin cannot be dealt with on our own. Something has to give. And what had to give was Christ, was God's son on the cross. And that's what we're leading to this week. And God will deal with our impossible sin. But he's going to deal with it one of two ways. He's going to deal with our sin by us repenting and giving that sin to him. Or he's going to hurl that sin along with us. The longer we cleave to sin, the longer we flirt and play with sin, the longer we hold on to it. If, our, if we're still clutched to our sin while God's hurling sins away, we're going to be hurled with it. 
And that's not a place I would want to be. I don't want to be in a place where I've made God my enemy. And yet that's all what we, it's what we have all done. Our sin has caused us to be an enemy of God and has left this mountain of sin in our life. And God can hurl mountains into the sea and forget them completely. But he's going to do one of two things. We're either going to repent of our sins and turn and let go of that sin, let him hurl it away far from us, or we're going to be hurled with it. And tonight, God calls us to repent. Repent of any sin that's in your life. If it's as small, it could be, it could be just, it could be anything. It could, it could be, I can, I'll, I'll go and give you an example of my life. I happen to like a little, it's, it's not very well known, it's, it's, a, it's a movie called Star Wars. And I'm a, I'm a fan of it. I, I like Star Wars. You can ask my wife. And my wife will tell you that I am a nerd when it comes to Star Wars. I could tell you the backstory of Han Solo. I could tell you what happens in the legends of Star Wars and the canon of Star Wars, which I think is weird, but they've got their legends of Star Wars and the can- what actually happens on Star Wars, like any of it's real. And I could tell you the characters and what they play in that movie, what they play in other movies. And if I let myself go... I could wrap myself in Star Wars all day long. Now, Star Wars isn't a bad thing, and I'm not saying it is. But it can consume me. This little thing can consume me. If I make it more important than spending time in the Word of God and spending time with Him, that sin, that can become sin. I I can be destroyed with it. Think about your life. Think that this week is we remember what Christ did for our sins. I think it's a good idea to look back at our own life and say, is there any area that needs to be cleansed? God's the, Jesus is the purifier. He purifies the temple. He comes in to show that I am the rightful judge and I will one day not just purify this temple, but purify the whole world. And when that day comes, there will be a day of reckoning. And we don't want to be found weighed and wanting. We want to be found holy because we trust in Christ for our salvation. I want us to all stand tonight. Is there any sin tonight that is in your life that is destroying you? And this isn't a question I can answer for you. It's just look at your own heart. Observe in your own heart and think, is there any sin in my life that I need to repent of? Is there anything that I'm playing with right now that I really need to not be playing with? I don't need to be toying with this. And if there is, Jesus tells us, have faith in God. He can take care of your sin. He can forgive you of your sin. You don't have to bear that anymore. You don't have to bear the sin of, of, of your past. You don't, have to weigh, you don't have to be weighed down anymore by this. But you need to let it go. You need to repent. I'm going to pray tonight. And 
and just think, look in, look in your own heart and say, is there, any, is there any sin in my life that needs to be cleansed? Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you for how you reveal yourself to us through your word, Lord. And thank you for being the purifier who purifies our hearts and comes in and reveals our sin in such an offensive way that we have to either come before you and say, Lord, you're right. I am terrible. I have sinned against you. I have made your house a place it ought not to be and have not glorified you in all things. Lord, help me to glorify you more. Lord, help us to be that people who would repent. Help us to not cleave to our sins and not believe that, well, this is just the way I am. Lord, help us to be born again. Help us to be renewed in your Holy Spirit and help us to seek after you in all things. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for your goodness toward us and your mercy on us. Thank you for this week, Lord, where we remember the road you took to take care of our sins and to nail them to the cross so that we could have life in you and your Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. We praise in your name. Amen. Go in peace.